Thank you for listening to the Firelife Church Podcast. For more information on Firelife Church in Irving, Texas, please visit wearefirelife.org. We pray the Lord blesses you greatly through this message. Stay in this atmosphere, even if we shift just for a moment. You stay in this, you can be seated, but let's just stay with our heart connected to the Lord. Like I'm, I'm always nervous of shifting because I'm like, it's so easy. It's like a commercial came on or something and we're, no, let's just lean in. Jesus, we really love you. We really mean it. We want you to be the center. We want you to be the thing that arranges the rest of our life. Come on, how many feel that? Like I want Jesus to be the thing that everything else in my life is arranged around. He's the top button. I love it when, when Levi will come to me and he's trying to button his shirt and he, he missed the top one and kind of got it all mismatched and confused. I'm like, no, buddy, if you'll get the top button right, rest fall in place. That's Jesus. You get the top button right, everything else falls in place. Seek first the kingdom, his righteousness, and everything else will be added unto you without striving, without toil, without um, frustration, it doesn't seem to make sense, but that is, it is that simple. It's putting Jesus at the center arranges our life. Amen? And people that put Jesus at the center and let him arrange their life, they do better. It doesn't mean they're wealthy, rich, or not ever sick, or don't go through hard times. It just means they do better no matter what season. Amen? And so I just want to thank you for being here. It's a great day. I hope you had a wonderful Thanksgiving. I hope you had a good time with your family. Um, leftovers over and over over leftover over and over right making sandwiches now out of leftovers <laughs> but it's i love thanksgiving it's a great time of the year and um so i just hope you had a wonderful time and that you're you're thankful for all that you have amen uh we just got a couple of quick announcements and we'll take our offering and we'll go right into the word um just want to say if you're a guest thank you for being here uh, you could go anywhere. We're glad you're here. We pray that you got what you asked for when you came in, that you feel the presence of the Lord and that you're encouraged by his presence. That's all we ask is that he touches you today and does something special for you. If you don't have a home church, I know a really good one where the Lord shows up and there's really good friendly people. And uh, yeah, you're sitting there right now. This is it, baby. Um, so yeah. Let's, uh, let's go ahead and take up the offering, and, and as we're passing the buckets, I'll do the other announcements very quickly. Um, but let's just, be, let's just give our thanks to the Lord right now. You don't have to pull anything up right now, buddy. Um, we'll do it in a second. Um, but I love what Shagun does when he takes up the offering, and he says, take out your wallet or your phone if you give online, as, just as a symbol, as an act of, of worship unto the Lord, because our tithe and our offering is worship. It is worship. It is an act of obedience. And then our offering is an act of, of excessive worship. Like, what kind of crazy people give 10% of their income to God? <laughs> but to the world system, it's like, you're crazy. You're so crazy. And then on top of that, people that give offerings, you're even crazier. You're insane. But the Bible teaches us that if we do this simple thing of obedience that he will not withhold anything from us and that he would open up the windows of heaven over us and pour out on us blessings that we cannot contain. Amen. You know, I was, I was thinking recently about that scripture and I think I often bring God a bucket and I think that I know what I need in that bucket. Yeah. And I think that's kind of what he's talking about. Like, Jared, you bring me your bucket of what you think you need from me, but I will pour out upon you blessings that your bucket, your small bucket 
can't contain because I have more than you can imagine, right? And I think of it that way. I may be coming to him with physical need, but he also knows I have an emotional need and he wants to do exceedingly abundantly. So, so that's what we do our tithes and offering because we're giving the Lord his portion. And when we give God his portion, he makes the whole, the whole portion holy. And so, Father, we just thank you right now. If you just take your phone or wallet, and we're just going to thank you, Jesus, for being our provider, for giving us jobs and, and all the things we've been praying for and the testimonies of financial blessing and, and just taking good care of us, Lord. We can say that. You take good care of us. I've never seen the righteous forsaken. You've never forsaken us, God. And so we thank you for it, and we bring it unto you as an offering of obedience and sacrifice, and we ask that you would bless Everything in our life, Lord, according to our obedience. In Jesus' name, we bless you. Amen, amen. You can give in the bucket or you can give online. Um, A couple of quick just announcements. We are creating, we are going back to our roots and we're gonna be a house of prayer. A house of prayer, amen. Jesus, the, the Bible tells us multiple places that it would be a house of prayer for all nations. Look around. The nations are here. The nations are in our neighborhood and we wanna create a house of prayer because We don't want people to encounter a a good service or a good church. We want them to encounter God. Amen. So Wednesday nights, we have prayer at 630 here on site. And if you can't drive out or if you just don't want to drive out, we also do it on Zoom. So Hank will send out that information to you. Uh, We've tried this. It actually worked. God shows up even on Zoom. Like, it's amazing. Like, I, I had my doubts, but he shows up. And so you can come in person, which we would love. Um, some people like the face-to-face encounter, um, but we know we got people driving from all over, and so we do Zoom. So that's uh, Wednesday nights at 6.30, and then every Sunday morning at 9.45, if you want to come early, we have that. We also have the foundations class, and then I want to say this. Every Monday through Thursday when we're here in the office, we, we have prayer right here in this room. Hank, Kyle, and I meet in this room from 9 o'clock to 10 o'clock. Anybody that ever wants to join us, you're welcome to join us. We would love for you to come in here. We put music on. We go to our corners with our Bibles. We pray, and then we come together at the end. Most of the time, we come together at the end and say, what's the Lord praying through you? And we just invite you to that. So Monday through Thursday, anyone, 9 a.m. to 10 a.m., we'll have a prayer set right here. Um, So yeah, we got some things coming up for the, the holidays. Joe, do you mind putting up the holiday one real quick, just so people can see it in case you have not um, seen this one? I think it's the fifth slide. So we are going to have a Christmas Eve candlelight on the 24th. We've, I don't know if we've ever done a candlelight or I don't remember, but we're going to do that. We're going to have a great time with the family. Um, then the, the next Sunday is New Year's Eve. So let me move out of the way. Yeah. And then I moved into y'all's way and now let me move out of your way. <laughs> so we're, we're doing a New Year's Eve normal service, but that evening, uh, it's the fifth Sunday, which is when we do the table. So we thought what a great time to have fellowship. So that evening at seven o'clock, we're going to have a New Year's Eve table. We're going to gather around, we're going to eat food, and we're going to play games. We're going to fellowship. We're going to laugh, and you can hang out as long as the last person here is, right? You can hang out as long as you want. All right. Until the new year, if you want to, um, I get sleepy around 930. I'm not going to lie to you. I can't can't do it anymore. My wife makes fun of me all the time. She's like, we finally, like, leave us finally asleep. The boys are in bed. Like, like, we can watch a show, and I'm over there trying to stay awake. Like, goodness, old man with my my blanket on because I'm cold. (laughs) Not kidding. Uh, next Saturday, um, all the ladies that would like to at 10 a.m. are meeting here. We're going to decorate for Christmas. So you are invited, all the ladies in the house. And then the next, next day is uh, Fire Life Men's Gathering here at the church at 5 o'clock. We're going to invite you to that. And that's it for the commercials. So, Father, we just thank you for your faithfulness. We ask that you would give us a word for us, that you would continue what you've started today in this house. And I pray that you would um, 
recalibrate us. I think that's a good word for today. In Jesus' name, amen. So if you want to open your Bible there to Exodus 33, if you can't fully tell what that picture is, it's, it's a picture of what it looked like when, when Israel was camping out with the, the, the tent of meeting, the tabernacle meeting, and they would gather around and the presence of God would hover over it. And when they saw the cloud and the smoke, they knew God was there. And uh, anyway, I just, want, I just want you to see that image and picture. Uh, I was listening to a, a podcast, a pastor's podcast from uh, Jesus Culture. Dramatic pause for a drink of water. <laughs> And in this podcast, um, one of the pastors there said something that just wrecked me. And he said, our job as pastors is, is just really one thing. And he heard it from uh, the CEO of, I think, Shake Shack or one of the fast food restaurants. And he was talking to his employees or his, his workers, managers. And he said, guys, all my job as a CEO is really, to, my job is really to make sure that the salt shaker is at the center of the table. They say, that's all I'm supposed to do. Like, I, I, I want to make sure that the main thing is right there at the middle of the table. He's like, because some people can put it to the left, put it to the right, the front, the back. But my job at Shake Shack is I want every restaurant that our, our salt shaker, the main thing is at the center of the table. And it just wrecked me. And I thought about it as a pastor. There are a lot of things that you're supposed to do. A lot of things that people expect you to do, right? But my main job is to make sure that the salt shaker is at the center of the table to make sure that the main thing is what we gather around. And it's his presence. Like we don't gather around good services or programs or, or kids programs or good sermons or good singing. We don't gather for that stuff. That stuff is our offering unto the presence of the Lord. He's at the center. And so if, if we walk into an atmosphere and we recognize that the salt shaker isn't where it needs to be, then we need to make sure he's where he belongs. And that's what today's going to be about. Like, well, let's make sure that, that we're hosting the presence of God, that we're creating room for him. And uh, you can find this in Exodus 33. We're just going to read verses 7 through 18 for, for today. <clears throat> Amen. So Moses took, uh, took his tent and he pitched it outside the camp, far from the camp, and called it the tabernacle of meeting. And it came to pass that everyone who sought the Lord went out to the tabernacle of meeting. So it's similar to this picture that you see up there. It was outside of the camp. So it was whenever Moses went out to the tabernacle that all the people rose. See, they were anxious. They knew that when Moses was going to this tabernacle, this tent of meeting, that God was going to meet him and they were going to be touched by his presence. For all the people rose and each man stood at his tent door and watched Moses until he had gone into the tabernacle. Come on, this is beautiful. It's like they all knew what was going on and they stood there and watched until Moses went into this secret holy place, right? And it came to pass that when Moses entered the tabernacle, that the pillar of cloud descended and stood at the door of the tabernacle and the Lord talked to Moses, now, how awesome is it we read this in the Bible, the Lord talked to Moses, but then we could all put our name in there. I want you to say that. Like, the Lord talked to Jared. Yeah, say it. Come on, say your name. The Lord talked to, come on. And then all the people saw the pillar of the cloud standing at the tabernacle uh, at the door. And all the people, when they saw that, they rose and they worshiped, each man in his own tent, his own house. This is a great picture for what our church should be like. We gather here, the Lord meets us, but then we should go to our own house and worship. Amen? Amen. Yeah, amen. So the Lord 
spoke to Moses face to face. I love this next line. As a man speaks to his friend. This is the relationship God had with Moses and it's the relationship God wants to have with every single one of us. Face to face, not through someone else, not through someone else's sermon, not through someone else's song, not through someone else's prayer, but you with God face to face in your language, with your dialect, come on, with your history, where he talks to you and and reveals his heart to you as you reveal your heart to him. That's what the Lord wants from us, amen? And then then Moses would return to the camp, but his servant, Joshua, the son of Nun, was a young man. He did not depart the temple. I want a heart like Joshua. Like, okay, the Lord's here. There's nowhere else that I need to be but right here. This is where he is. This is where I'm going to be. It was the same thing that David said. I would rather be a doorkeeper. (laughs) The sons of Korah actually wrote this, but David said, this is why I want to be a gatekeeper in the house of the Lord than be anywhere else. All right, let's go on just for a moment. Verse 12, then Moses said to the Lord, see, you say to me, bring up these people, but you've not told me whom you will send with me. He's like, I I need someone. I need a partner. I need someone to go with me. And he says, "Uh, yet you have said, "I, I know you by name. And have, you have also found grace in my sight. Now, now, therefore, I pray, if I have found grace in your sight, show me now your way that I may know you. Show me what I'm supposed to do, and I will know you, that I may find grace in your sight and consider that this nation, they're your people. So he's telling them, I'm leading your people, but I'm not gonna do this by myself. I want to know who you're sending with me. And if you'll show me, I'll go and I'll do whatever you tell me to do because I'll know your favor is with me. And then God gave the, the great promise that's in the word. He said, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Come on. I want you to say that his presence goes with me and it comes with rest. See, Moses is looking at all these people, all these mouths to feed. Come on. Where am I getting water for all these people? Where do I get food? Like, where do we get, where do we get supplies for all these people? How do we keep the prey away from coming into the camp at night? How do I take care of all of these people, God? And God says, well, I'm gonna go with you and you're gonna be at rest instead of at strife. Then he said to him, if your presence does not go with me, Moses says to God, if your presence does not go with us, do not bring us up from here. For how will we know, for how then will it be known that your people and I have found grace in your sight unless you go with us? So the sign of God's grace and favor on our life is that his presence goes with us. I'm gonna say that again. The sign of God's favor and grace on our lives is that his presence goes with us. It doesn't mean that we have a big bank account. It doesn't mean we have a nice house. It doesn't mean that we get our way. We call those things favor. Well, like if I'm, I'm out, you know, shopping at Black Friday and there are no parking spaces and I just pull by and someone pulls out and I get the front row, I go, oh, I got the favor of the Lord. <laughs> Maybe I needed to walk. <laughs> That's, that's, that's such a cheap use of the word favor. I do understand what we're saying, and it's being thankful, but it, like, it's, a, it's, a, it's a cheap use. His favor means he's with us. His actual presence shows up. And when his presence shows up, 
parking space is very low on the totem pole. And then he says, so how, how will people know that we're separate? From all the people who are on the face of the earth, unless you go with us. You hear the prayer? He's like, Lord, you've called us out to be different than the other nations of the world, to do life differently than the rest of the people around us. And Unless you go with us and your presence is on us, how will they even know that we're separate and we're not like them? How will they know that there's a God in heaven who's holy unless you're with us? So the Lord said to Moses, I will also do this thing that you have spoken for you have found grace in my sight and I know you. Come on. He said, I know you by name. Sorry, guys. We, we measure the favor and the grace of God so poorly. And the Lord wants us to come back to this. It's his presence here. It's his presence in my life. Because stuff happens when his presence shows up. Like when he shows up and I walk into a room and there are sick people, sick people should get healed. I don't heal the people, but he's on me and he's with me. He's in us for us. He's on us for others. And it looks like something. When we have, when we're marked by him, it looks like something. It's not just a title over our name. It's not just that, oh, our name is written in the Lamb's book of life. Hallelujah, I get to go to heaven. It's so much more than that. It's like, how will the nations of the earth know that there's a real God who can do the impossible unless his presence is on our lives? The earth is crying out for a real God who really cares for them. They don't know him. They don't understand him, but they're crying out for him. Everywhere you feel the groaning for God, for the realization that there is a God who really does care. This isn't all for nothing. And the Bible says that all creation is groaning for the sons of God to appear, for the sons and daughters. He's talking about us to be marked by his presence. So that when we walk into a place, hope begins to rise instead of depression. Amen? But I'm going to work through this, okay? I'm going, to take, I'm going to take my time. There is a way in which we can live that releases the poverty of our hearts to the world around us. I'm going to start here, okay? There is a way that we can live that will release poverty into the earth instead of the favor of heaven. And it's when we try to save our own life. Self-preservation. We've talked so much about this over the last couple of years about if Luke 9 says that if, if you want to follow me, you got to deny yourself, pick up your cross and follow after me. Come on. If you try to save your life, you will lose your life. How many have ever discovered that? <laughs> If I try to save my life, I will lose it. Like there are times where I'm trying to help Levi with something and he's getting frustrated and he starts fighting, fighting. I'm like, if you'll just rest, this will be easier. If you just relax, we can get out of this knot or tangled up. He was tangled up the other day and he was, you know, he's 
freaking out. Oh my goodness, I'm tangled up. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. If you just relax, we can get out of this. But he's trying to save himself. And he got more tangled up. And how many of us have done that? And there, there's, there's a cost to this, not just to us. See here, if, if I live for myself, I'm, I'm dying. My soul is dying. Hello? If we live for ourselves, if, our, if we're at the center, we are destroying the resources of heaven in our life for us. Basically, what we've done is we have invited the devourer to come in and sit at our table and eat our food. And it's all through being selfish. And then because he's in us for us, he's on us for others. I carry that poverty of spirit into every atmosphere I go into. And instead of being a source of light and a source of hope and bringing the presence of God, the favor of God into the situation, I bring what I have, which is nothing. You remember the the lesson we learned just a few months ago about why Satan was called the father of lies. He was called the father of lies because everything he said came from his own source. It didn't come from a place of life. It came from himself, which was his source, which was nothing, is poverty. And when we live unto ourselves, we are becoming just the way Satan was and we're living from our own source, which is nothing. You guys okay? You're like, man, it was so fun earlier. What happened? We're, we we got to go through a little process, all right? Self-promotion, self-ambition, selfish ambition causes chaos and hopelessness and poverty around us. But, but we weren't designed to live like that. I, I wanted to draw the, the distinction, okay? There's a way that the world lives that we're at the center. There's a way that a believer lives and it's Christ at the center. There's a way the world lives and it's preserve yourself. Watch out for yourself. Take care of yourself. No one else is going to if you don't. And there's a way a believer lives. It's like, my God shall supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory. And all I have to do is, is the hardest part is to just obey him. But the world says, don't obey anyone. Don't let anyone tell you what to do. But there's a way a believer lives that brings life, not only to ourselves, but to the atmosphere around us. See, all of us, when we have the fire of God on our altar, we have the ability to affect the atmosphere. And actually, we have the responsibility to affect the atmosphere. You guys all right? We release what's going on inside of our hearts all the time, whether we even know it or not. I can, I can send a mood to my wife if I want to of anger, frustration, whatever I want without saying a word. I can do the same with, the, with my sons. I can just give them a look. <sighs> frustration. I can change the mood of a room with what's going on in here. All of us can, right? But when we cultivate the presence of God and we put him at the center, then we get to release that presence instead of what we have. Amen? We're in a covenant with God. God made a covenant with us through Jesus. We sang about it. Oh, the cross, what you've done. It was more than, I love, that's my favorite song. This is my favorite song, I'm sorry. We're gonna sing it every week until we really get it. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I don't pick the song list. <laughs> 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 
We're in a covenant. And Jesus made that covenant with his blood and it was enough for us, right? And in this covenant, everything's available to us. You guys understand that? Like he made, he made everything available to us. But there's a big difference between something be avail, being available to me and me having possession of it. Right? I can claim that I have access to the covenant, but if I don't put the fire at the center and host his presence, then I don't have access to it. And there's a difference between having full access to him and having him feel every part of me. Amen? There's a big difference between having full access to him and having him feel every part of me. And the difference is maturity. You guys good? Are you hot? I'm sweating. It's all right. No, I'm good. If I take the jacket off, I will unleash the beast that's underneath the sleeves. <laughs> John 5, verse 19. Jesus is talking about how he had his relationship with the Father. And he said, I tell you the truth. The Son can do nothing by himself. He does only what he sees the Father doing. And whatever the Father does, the Son also does. And then Jesus goes on and goes to verse 30. He says, I can do nothing of my own. I judge as God tells me. Therefore, my judgments are just because I carry out the will of the one who sent me, not my own will. What the Lord's calling us to as a church is to grow up. To grow up, to mature. And true spiritual maturity is not how much of the Bible we know or can quote or how many hours we logged in in prayer or how we had perfect attendance on Sunday this year. Like, those things are awesome. Well done. Good for you. Keep doing those things. It's beautiful. Your obedience, your sacrifice, it's, it's awesome. It's unto the Lord. It's great. But that doesn't make us mature. I mean, if, if reading the word made people mature, then the Pharisees would have understood who Jesus was. They would have been his greatest disciples because they knew the word better than anyone else. And they knew all the prophecies about Jesus, yet he's staring them in the face and they couldn't get it because they weren't discerning who he was. So true spiritual maturity is when we discern who Jesus is. We come into agreement with what he's doing and we copy it. Amen? Come on. I don't want to just do church. I don't, I don't want to just gather here. Let me say, let me just do this. Every week we gather in this room and someone in here is in a crisis. Somebody is having a real hard time and it's all different. Some people it's, it's anguish and family. Some people it's a physical ailment. Some people it's, a, it's depression. Somebody here feels lonely and no one would ever know it. And you come into this room and we have church and the Lord's presence shows up and we pray for each other. And if we walk out the door and those things are still there, then what are we doing? It it can only happen if Jesus' presence isn't at the center. 
Because if, if his presence is at the center, we cannot be in his presence and not be changed. We cannot be in his presence and, be not be, and, and remain unmoved. I know right now of a handful, maybe a dozen issues going on, not like fighting issues. I mean, serious, life-altering decisions that people in this body are having to make right now for family, for sickness, for illness. Some of us, our parents are not doing well physically. Some of us, you're not doing well physically. You faced a bad report and Jesus paid for your healing. He paid for it. Not with money. With his own blood. And he did it so that we could have access to healing. So if you're here in the room right now and you need healing, I don't, I don't care if it's physical, emotional, relational, be healed by the blood of Jesus. Some are facing decisions that aren't even in your hands. Someone else is going to decide how your future looks. And you feel helpless. And the Lord's saying, you are not alone. And he's the judge. He gets to decide. Come on. Your future is not in someone else's hand. Your children's future is not in someone else's hands. Come on. That's what happens when we put him at the center. He meets these needs. And we have to put an expectation that these things have to bow to the name of Jesus. These things have to shift because he's able to do it. Amen? And I don't want to miss any opportunities. Everywhere I go, I'm trying to train myself now. Like, Lord, what are you doing here? What does this person need that I can bring because your presence is on the altar of my life? What can I say? Maybe it's a kind word. Maybe it's just a hug. What can I say? What can I do? How can we make your presence the center of what's going on right now? I'm having to retrain my brain because I'm in, I'm a to-do list guy. Whatever's in front of me, I'm going to do really, really well. And I don't see everything else sometimes. The Lord's having to change my perspective. I'll tell a quick example of this. Uh, just a few weeks ago, we were celebrating my parents' 50th. My mom had a, had a stroke while we're taking family pictures. And it's a little bit traumatic. One of my son, Matthias, my middle sons, he's had seizures in the past. Um, and we've had a couple of traumatic experiences on the side of I-35 where we thought he was dead. We, this was the first seizure that he had had, and we didn't know what was going on. And so we, we see this happening with my mom, and we, there's a, emotions that come up. It looks very similar to the seizure stuff. And as we were going through this, all I could think about was I opened the anniversary ceremony. I opened it in prayer. I got to. They asked me to pray over the ceremony. And in the middle of praying for the food and for the fellowship, the Lord I, I, I was telling Mandy about this. I don't even know why I said it. Before I even knew what I said, the words were out of my mouth. I was like, the Lord wants to heal people here today. Like if you're sick, you don't have to leave sick. And I'm saying this before the anniversary thing started 
And then later on, my mom has a stroke. And I'm sitting here going, Lord, I heard you. Like, I'm, I'm progressing, right? This is how I'm just talking to you. Okay, I heard you. You gave me an opportunity. Now I need to, I need to stick with that. I need to become a bulldog with that. And, and I, sh- I should have. And anytime I'm given the opportunity from now on, I'm sorry. If anyone needs prayer today, I'm over here. Someone else is over there. We're going to pray for you. Don't leave sick. That's what I should have done at this party. At the party. That's what I should have done. I'm sorry. Uh, is, is if you need to be prayed for today, let's go. I may have been able to pray over my mom and her not have the issues. I don't know, but I knew, do know the Lord's speaking. There's, a, there's the language of the Spirit. And it's not a, a, come on, Jared, get it right. It's an invitation language. Like, you're so close. You're getting there, buddy. Come on. You're so close to getting it right. It's like trying to teach Levi to tie his shoes. I'm like, oh, you're doing so well. You're so close. Like, that's how I feel the Lord is with us. Like, you're so close to this. Lean in, become a bulldog, keep the presence at the center. Don't get distracted with everything else. I don't mean don't be so weird that no one wants to be around us, but I mean be compassionate and connect. And compassion is what connects us to the heart of God. Jesus was moved with compassion and he healed people. I don't think Jesus always went around going, I'm looking for these people to heal. I think he looked for people to have compassion on. And when he felt their faith, he went after it for them. I just, I just feel like that's how it happened. And I feel the Lord's giving us that invitation. I, I want to live that way. And I'm, I'm saying it publicly so that you can hold me to it. We have a responsibility. Amen. Why don't you stand? I know it's a little bit different. Jesus. So being a church or being a believer who hosts his presence well is not contingent on whether or not he's here. He's here. He's everywhere. There's no place off limits. Years ago when we first met Bill, Bill Johnson, Mandy and I were, were, we got the opportunity to, to learn from him, to pray for people that were sick. Mandy was healed in the moment. And then he's like, okay, you were just healed. Come on with me. You're going to go pray for people with me. And that's how I met Bill Johnson, 2003. And he pulled Mandy and I aside and he prophesied over us and we'll never forget what he said. He says, you plus God makes a majority. You plus the presence makes a majority. doesn't matter where you go, where you are. You may feel like you're surrounded, but we're surrounded by him. Come on. And so a church that lives this way, we've got to shift how, how our how we go in and out of our consciousness of his awareness. We've got to increase our capacity to pay attention to him. Like I long for the day, like, like it was when they began to worship, the presence of the Lord would show up and the, the musicians, the singers, they couldn't even perform their ceremonial duties in the temple because the presence of the Lord showed up. That's what I want to happen. I want the Lord to meet you in the parking lot. I want him to meet you when you walk in the door. 
when you're in the foyer. I want him to meet you when you go to the restroom. I want you to get prophesied over, healed in, in, the, in, the, in the hallway, healed in the service, healed in the kids, healed in the nursery. I want the Lord to do whatever he wants here, but he's got to be at the center. Amen? So let's do that. Let's, let's just pray that God increases our awareness. Oh, come on. We were made for you, God. We were made for you. Increase our awareness. Come on, you pray. You pray. He said, you will seek me, you will find me when you seek me with all your heart. (laughs) He says, I will be found by you, declares the Lord. That's Jeremiah 29, 12 and 13. Proverbs 25, 2 says, it's the glory of God to conceal a matter. It's the glory of kings to search it out. I want to have a childlike curiosity for the presence of God. So when Paul was writing to to the churches, I I don't remember exactly which one he uses this language, but he said it different ways. But he says, um, having their senses dulled. Their senses were dulled. And I, I want us to pray for that first. That there's no anesthesia in our heart. It's a trick of the enemy to just try to dull our senses. And so, Father, we come to you now. That's the first thing we're praying. Awaken my senses for your presence. I'm so aware when I'm hungry for food. (laughs) I'm so aware when I'm tired. I'm so aware when I'm frustrated. I'm too aware of myself. So God, we ask that you would help us as we turn our eyes on to Jesus. We fix our eyes on Jesus, the author, the finisher of our faith. We lift our heads and we look at you. The Lamb of God, come on. Here's what's going to happen. Some of you are going to feel such compassion. You're going you're gonna to weep for people. You're going to weep. Your heart's actually going to hurt for people. And it's going to be strange because it's been so long. And it's going to seem so intense. But that's how you're going to know the anesthesia is wearing off. Yeah. Some, the Lord's voice is going to be like he's screaming. It's going to be so loud. (laughs) It's because all the other noise is going to be canceled out. 
and his voice that sounds like the, the roaring of many waters. Ooh, it's gonna be really loud. That's how you know the anesthesia is wearing off and that your ears, your hearing's coming back. Come on. He's gonna open our eyes. Come on, if any of this is you, just reach, just re receive that and tap into that. Father, what we give our attention to, we put you at the center, that you would awaken our senses. Come on. You told us to have our senses trained. Ooh. Come on. Come on, lean into him. Hebrews 5, 13 and 14. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a child. But solid food belongs to those who are of full age, mature. That is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised or trained to discern good and evil. I'm going to read it again. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a child. But solid food belongs to those who are full age, mature. That is, those who by reason of use, by use, have trained their senses to discern good and evil. Father, we ask that you would do that now. We don't want to be babes any longer, only partaking of the milk we want the solid food of your word, Lord. We ask that you would increase our maturity. We ask that that, would, that transaction, that we would purposely exercise and train our senses to lean into what you're doing. If you want that, would you just lift your hand? Come on. Train our senses to discern. So that we may do whatever the occasion requires. <laughs> One more thing and then we're gonna open the altars. Moses would go up on Mount Sinai and he would speak to God on the mountain and the people would see the thunder, the lightning, and they would feel the earthquake and the volcanic activity as God spoke with Moses. And he went up there for 40 days and 40 nights. And these were a people that were surrendered to God. They had made God their God. And in 40 days, they completely lost their relationship with God. It took 40 days for them to build a calf and to worship it and to play music and to say, this is our God who brought us out of bondage. 40 days after seeing the signs, the wonders, the miracles, seeing the power and the authority of God, seeing the cloud of God. 
And it took 40 days for them to wander away and allow their senses to lose their sensitivity to the presence and the holiness of God. It's in our human nature if we allow it to drift. But the Bible says that he would cure us of our backsliding. That he would cure us of our back as if it was an illness. <laughs> he would cure us. So if you're with me, I'm going to invite you to the front and we're going to ask the Lord to cure us of our backsliding. That we would put him at the center. And if you need prayer for anything else, don't leave with a worry or a care or a weight. We want to pray with you. We want to lay hands on you. We believe Jesus heals the sick. First thing we're going to do, though, is we're going to ask him to cure us of our backsliding. So would you join me here at the front?